All right, we are back for another episode of the Crave Show with Jason Russell and Chris Fikes. Here we go. I'm I'm excited, man. I'm ready yeah. to do this. It's been a, it it's going, been a couple of weeks. It's good, man. I uh, I missed our our gap last week, so I'm excited for a new one. Yeah, me too, man. It's uh, when we have a week that we don't record. I'm kind of like I'm I'm bummed out. I have so much going on right now, dude. Oh my goodness, so much. Let's hear but, it. Uh, that's good. What do you got? Let's let's hear it. Well, one of the things is like I told you. I think I told you a couple of weeks ago that I'm back in the tunnel. Yeah. So instructing and coaching, and you know, I mean, the like the instructing first time flyers. That's part of the job. That that's actually kind of enjoyable. Like I I, I have fun with that. When when customers come in and they're excited to be there at the tunnel and they're excited about getting in the wind man, that's really enjoyable. Like that's fun. Um, sometimes, honestly, sometimes we have customers, we have people who it's like, they're, it's like they're in a bad mood, they're frustrated, or they're, they're just too cool for school. Or I, I don't know. I, I just wonder, I'm like, why are, why are you here? Why, if you don't want to do this, don't do it. Like, don't do it, man. Like, yeah. um, so that's not fun. When you have people that come to iFly and I, I don't know, I guess somebody forced them to or something. They feel like they have to, but mm. the people who are, who are excited to be there and they're a little bit giddy, they're a little bit like nervous, but they're happy. I mean, that's, that's enjoyable. And then they get in the wind and they kind of, you know, even if they don't relax completely, but they're just enjoying it. They're smiling, they're laughing, they're having a good time like that. That's so fun. One, one of the other instructors, I was actually driving. And he had this class of like, I think it was eight people, two groups of four. So it was like four friends, two groups of four friends. And dude, they, they were just like, so fun. Like they were having so much fun, like laughing at each other and goofing off and enjoying being in the wind. They had, none of them had ever flown before. And they were, yeah. they were having fun learning and like, we were laughing with them. We were messing with them and joking around and cutting up and, that, that's just so cool, you know? And yeah. then when I have, I think what I enjoy the most is people who like return flyers, like people who are coming back on a regular basis and they really, they want to get good. They want to learn, they want to progress. They want to improve their skills and they're eager to, to listen. They're eager to, to improve and progress. That is really, really enjoyable for me. Um, and I've kind of, I think I've learned that about myself over the past, I guess over the past few years, maybe five years or so, I've learned that coaching, and, and I don't mean just skydiving. I mean, even like my, a couple of my boys, they play soccer. And so I coach, I help coach the soccer team. And I've learned that coaching, teaching, instructing that aspect of, of helping others learn and progress and get better, like I really like that. Um, I, I, I would like to think that I'm good at it. I, I try really hard to be good at it. Um, I'm sure I've got lots of places to improve and, and things that I could do better, but that's, that's enjoyable. So that's one of the things that was a long way around getting, <laughs> I was so busy, but that's one of them. Just being back in the tunnel, um, teaching, instructing, coaching, but it's, it's fun, you know? I always found it interesting that the people who are drawn to, to those, that type of a job, like the, the tunnel job is really pretty interesting on a couple different levels. And just to, just to get back to what you said about enjoying or, you know, enjoying taking people for their first time and they're enjoying it and they're, they're, they're just having a good time with a new experience. Um, I, I really actually enjoyed that as well. And I, I, I have a tandem rating, but I don't ever use it. Um, and I had tandem instructors tell me that that was very similar to their feeling when they took people on the first skydive and they really enjoyed it. And I just, uh, I filmed a lot of tandems and it just, it, it, it didn't seem like the same thing to me. Um, but the, if you think about the instructing job, that's an interesting mix of, of you're taking responsibility for someone else's safety. You're helping somebody else have a good time. Um, you're, you're teaching. Like there's, there's a few different sort of hats that you put on when you, when you go into that role. Um, and, uh, it's, it, yeah, it's just an interesting combination. And I think one of the, 
one of the things that you said stands out as you know there's there's a why behind behind it you know why do why do you like taking someone else's you know safety in your hands for a minute at a time or why why do you enjoy the the coaching aspect of it you know and and i've thought about that a lot and because i enjoyed it as well and i i i think you said it it's helping other people and and that makes makes me feel pretty good and there's I'm going a long way around, but there's also a really interesting split, I think, in the people who who do those coaching jobs or or assume that role of coach. And and there are some people that I think it's a very different reason that they like to coach people. And it it's more to do with like puffing up or showing showing off to people or or being in charge of people. And it's a totally different motivation. And I, I I guess I'm I'm painting it in, in not a great light because I don't feel that great about it when that when I feel that's the motivation that people have and I really prefer when you just want to help people get better and you want to you want to help them have a, a good time and be safe and and that that seems like a a better motivation I hope uh, for for taking those kinds of uh, roles but yeah I'm glad I'm, maybe you I think I think you just hit on why it's those when there's people that come in to iFly that don't want to, don't want to be there. Don't want to learn for whatever reason, it doesn't matter, but maybe, maybe that's why it's like, that's not enjoyable for me. Not, not because they're mean or rude or bad people that, that, no, that doesn't have anything. It's not that it's just when there's someone who wants to listen to you and wants to learn and you get to help them get better and they're excited that you're trying to help them like, dude, that's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, 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 I don't know if it's narcissistic to say this, but I feel like when I, when I get into something new, I try to be that way. I tr- try to be a sponge for the information that's out there, especially if somebody's willing to tell me. And it's, it's kind of interesting in my skydiving career too, that, that there, there are people that dis- despite my experience level, they're not scared to tell me what they have to say, which is just great. Like, um, you know, what comes to mind instantly is, is like, um, years and years ago, I was teaching, um, a weather hold tracking seminar and, uh, Sharon was there and she was a kind of a newer jumper at that time. Like she had, she had some experience, but was still, I don't know. I, I couldn't even guess at her jump numbers. I would say under a thousand. Um, but, uh, you know, a decent amount of experience, but she listened to my tracking seminar and I, I, I don't know what I had at that time, maybe somewhere 10, 12, 14,000 jumps. So quite a bit more than her. And, um, and she came up to me afterwards and was like, Hey, you said this, but I don't agree. And why did you say that? And, and, you know, I knew who she was, but we weren't we're, we're like, we're, we're buddies now, but I we're we weren't really at that point or I didn't know her very well. And I said, well, you know, this is what I've been teaching for a long time. And she's like, well, what did you think about this thought and this thought and this thought? And this is the way I teach. And I, I smiled and I, cause it's so uncommon for people to do that. Cause I, I don't know, they get maybe intimidated by someone else with more experience, but what she said was brilliant. And I was just like, yeah, yeah that's totally right. And I started teaching it like that from then on. So it was just a, a really nice experience. And I, I, I wish that. I don't know. It'd be nice to go to a different drop zone where nobody knew me and just be able to sponge up whatever anybody else wanted to talk about. Yeah, that that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. Well, uh, dude. Okay, hold on. I, I've been thinking about this um, for the past few weeks. Oh man. Okay, I realized that a few weeks ago on one of the podcasts, I did the. What do you call it? Uh, oh puzzle. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The answer. Yeah, I, I, I do. Like you have to draw all those things without picking the pen up off the paper. Yeah, you have to draw this. How do you draw this image with the dot in the middle and the circle without picking up, without I, taking your marker off of the paper? I guess what I was thinking was that you would somehow you would um, 
fold the paper over and write through the paper as you, but I, I couldn't get my head around what. No, dude, you're, what, you're almost exactly right there. Yes, that's pretty much it. So what you do, what you do is you take the marker. Oh man, because I'm totally unprepared. Um, <laughs> so imagine this is, this is, this is a marker, <laughs> right? Like you would put the, make the dot first and then you would fold the paper over to the dot. Can you see what I'm doing? Yep. Then you'd put the marker on the back side. go out here. Ah, uh, okay. To where you would draw that. Ah, okay. So you never listed off the paper, but you, you got it's around it. Yeah. Okay. Is that a terrible puzzler? Is no, that's, that's, I mean, makes your brain work. That's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I want to try to have a puzzler each week. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to be better about it. More consistent. Cool. I will be puzzled. I'm sure. Do what? I'll be puzzled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, um, so when we talked or, or when we were texting earlier and I asked you, you know, some ideas and some thoughts about what, what we want to talk about, I really liked the idea that you, I actually, I guess you didn't come up with it. T tell Yeah. Let's talk about what are we going to talk about today and why are we talking about this? I thought this was yeah. really cool. So originally I was, I, I told the woman that I talked to who suggested this topic that I was going to say her name on air because she's been actually not only listening, but watching these videos. And um, I, I decided against that, not not because she was afraid to be uh, have her name on air, but because the situation was pretty specific and I want to, I want to kind of leave the people involved to guess if it was them or not, not just mm -hmm. nail it down. But so th this might call her out anyway, but um, this, this woman that um, jumps at Scott of Chicago pretty commonly, she is getting to be a very good uh, MFS flyer and she went to a skills camp, MFS mixed formation yeah. skydiving. So MFS, do you, you familiar? Yeah, yeah. I just okay. I, well, I thought you said NFS, so I was confused. Mm -hmm. But when you say MFS, I do know what that is. But I think it's good to just clarify for for listeners. That, you know, the the two listeners that we have. Yeah. <laughs> so MFS is um, a, a discipline that was largely originated in the mind of Andy Malchiotti, uh out in California, who um, is a a world champion free flyer. And he started a discipline, mixed formation skydiving, that basically is all body types. So, you know, if you think about FS, you're, you're mostly on your belly, or you should mostly be on your belly. And VFS, you are not on your belly, your head up or head down. Um, but he wanted a discipline that included all of those things and back. Um, so back, belly, head up, and head down in one skydive. So... It's very challenging discipline. Uh, it's a two-way discipline with an outside camera flyer. Maybe the most challenging camera flying that I've ever done is to try and stay with an MFS team. Uh, so it's it, it hasn't um, it hasn't caught on at the world level, despite some pretty heroic efforts from Andy to try to get it there. So right now it's included in the U.S. Nationals. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, it might be in the UK nationals and then also Australia. Um, but any, anyway, so this, this woman is uh, practicing as an MFS flyer and she recently went to a skills camp that was hosted by Jason Peters and Andy Malchiotti and uh, they, their team is called Flight Shop. So they teach other people interested in that discipline how to be better at it. And okay, okay real quick, I, I don't yeah. want to get you too sidetracked, but why is that the most difficult thing to video that you've ever, what makes it so hard? Well, the, the, the fall rate changes are pretty crazy. Like if you imagine a, a head down jump that just slams onto their belly, um, you know, from one point to the next and then back to vertical and then a back and belly mixed point and then back to vertical and, um, your flyers aren't necessarily staying on heading. Uh, the, and so you, you're transitioning between a head up, um, on level video position that probably involves head up carving. And then, uh, the next moment you need to be up above them filming back and belly points, and then you need to be back on level in a head up orientation. And so it's, it's, it's just really challenging. I mean, even m much more in my opinion than, than VFS camera flying, um, which is a, a, a incredible step up from, from filming FS. So, uh, it's, 
I don't think like I never did the two way artistic filming where you're kind of part of the routine. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, this again, MFS seems much more challenging, less okay. like the, the two way free fly is, is kind of choreographed and you know, what's coming. And mm -hmm. even though, you know, in MFS, like the, the, the timing isn't guaranteed. And um, so it's, so it's it, very it, challenging. So the MFS will, it will go from like, you got two people head down to all of a sudden they're bellying out. Yeah. I mean, in the open class, there's all, all body types are, are, uh, open. So yeah, you have these drastic fall rate changes, heading changes, you're carving a bigger circle than they're carving. It's just, it's, it's a tough, I really, I did a year of, um, as a pickup team with my, now my teammates, uh, Chip and Sam, and they didn't do any training and they just asked, I was at, I think it was at Rayford and I was there for VFS and they said, Hey, can you film us? And, yeah, sure. And man, it was super fun, but mm. like pushing your limits as far as mm. flying skills. So yeah. that was cool too. Um, yeah. Okay. So this woman is attending a camp and, and she's getting to the point where, you know, if, if you practice one thing within skydiving, in, in my opinion, you spend a couple of years on it, two or three years and you stick with it and you, you get coaching, you are, you're getting to be in a lot of disciplines, something of a subject matter expert. And it doesn't mean that you're necessarily the best in the world, but especially if you start getting coaching from some somebody or anybody more experienced than you, you're really picking up a lot of information. So when you interact with like a day-to-day -day jumper, you have a much better grasp of, of the minutia of that discipline. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you know everything about every discipline, but but for your specific one, you're you're getting pretty good, you know, and they've been at it for three or four years now and getting coaching and, and you know, competing at nationals and, and blah, blah, blah. So she had this experience where the, a fill-in camera flyer for Flight Shop was trying to tell her, you must do the exit this way. Hmm. And she said, no, that's, that's not how we do it. And he's like, no, 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 this is how you do it. And that guy was, he's not on Flight Shop, but he was kind of the de facto coach. They had hired him. And so he's saying what he thinks, but it's wrong. Yeah. And but, I mean, he was um, trying to be helpful. Yeah, trying to be helpful. And and she, to, to be fair, um, this this woman is a little bit on, on the shyer side, um, not super outspoken until you get to know her pretty well. So eventually, I think she said she disagreed with him twice. And then, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it your way, even though I know it's mm -hmm. wrong, because I, I don't want to get into this confrontation. Mm -hmm. um, and, and to his credit, they, they came down and it was totally wrong. And uh, he just said, you know what, I I think I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because that was bad. And, and, uh, well, hey, hey, yeah, that guy. yeah. I Seriously. mean, at least he owned that's up to it. Um, yeah. So she's been listening to our podcast and, and she had that experience and, and she said, Hey, Jairus, I'm, I'm curious if you guys would talk about this Dunning Kruger effect is, is, uh, um, sort of a studied effect in, I guess, the psychological or social science realms. And, if I'm getting it right in a nutshell, it is a, a person who doesn't have the skills or knowledge to necessarily do a certain task or job, but because of their very limited skills or knowledge, they feel like they're much more qualified than they are. And um, having, I, I was familiar with the idea just a tiny bit when she said it, I think I had heard it before. And then I, I looked it up just to try to be prepared. And it's on my uh, web browser right now. And um, specifically, I like, I, I, I got a little bit more fleshed out picture of it. But what I was actually thinking in the conversation that happened with her revolved around that, like, how does it affect skydiving? And how does it affect coaches? And then there was the additional feeling for me of like, um, you know, there's a lot more males in skydiving than females. And our uh, not not to get too broad reaching in our um, topics, but we we have kind of, for lack of a better term, been living in a man's world for a long time. And and it's changing. But I think in a lot of places throughout the world and America as well, I don't know if misogyny is the right word, but there's there's that that that's present somewhere of, you know, this half of the population is less capable or less knowledgeable than the other half of the population. Hmm. And um, 
it's it's a little bit poignant for me because what what happened to this woman has been happening to my wife for more than a decade um, mm -hmm. as uh, a very experienced coach and very knowledgeable about the, the discipline that we're part of. Um, so anyway, she said that maybe that would be a good topic. You know, how does that how does that relate to skydiving? And and um, it made it brought up it brought up um, sort of a couple people it instantly popped to mind that I have met through the years that were um, definitely exhibiting Dunning-Kruger effect. Uh, and um, part of the definition is that you just don't know enough to know that you, you're coming off badly. Um, yeah. Well, the irony, the irony is, so I, I've heard of Dunning-Kruger effect before when you mentioned it, um, as you know, when I said, Hey, what should we talk about on this episode? And you mentioned this, it, it rang a bell, but I, I couldn't have articulated what it was. So I went back and looked mm -hmm. it up. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. I know what that is. And so I, I read a little bit about it. The irony is now that I've read like two articles about it, I'm an expert on it. I can tell you all about it. I know everything. There is to know. I can, I can explain it. I can tell you all the things that's the Dunning Kruger effect. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you get a little bit of knowledge on a subject matter, just enough that you feel comfortable. You start to feel comfortable and confident, and then you get overconfident. You're like, oh, I know a lot, you know? Um, and I actually experienced this uh, learning. I, I think it goes in all, all sorts of areas, but even language learning. So when I was learning to speak Thai, the Thai mm -hmm. language, I got to a point where I knew enough to carry on a conversation and I was working really hard to have a good, to not, to not have an American accent. You know what I mean? To sound like a Thai person. Like I was working really, really hard to sound good. And so I was getting a lot of praise and a lot of positive feedback. And I think that there's probably a lot of factors that add into this Dunning-Kruger, but that I think that's part of it is if you kind of have a natural tendency or inclination to, to excel quickly in the, in the lower level stuff of a skill, you catch on quick and you get really good fast at the lower level stuff. And everybody's like, Oh, wow, you're so, you, you know, you figured out so quickly, da, 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 whatever you automatically, you think, Oh, well, that must mean I I'm good at it. I must know what's going on. And so I, I realized I did that with language with like the Thai language, but then you get to a point, if you keep going in that subject matter, you very quickly get to a point where you're like, oh my goodness, there is so much that I don't know. Like yeah. you begin to realize that how much you don't know. And that, I think that helps you get out of that Dunning-Kruger effect, but it's, it's probably a combination of, I, I asked a, a, my cousin, he's a, he's a clinical psychologist and he does a lot with sports, um, sports psychology. And so I asked him about it. I was like, hey, what do you know about this? And so he, he had some stuff to say, and he, he said that he, his opinion is that it has a lot to do with ego. There's a lot mm -hmm. of ego wrapped up in it that it's like, which makes sense. And I, I see that in myself, you know, sometimes I, I, I wish that I was always humble and always kind and, and, you know, but sometimes secretly I think I'm better than I am, you know, <laughs> sorry. So I, I kind of went off on a tangent, but. No, I mean, there's no tangents. I don't think it's just sort of conversation, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I think w what I was trying to relay back to her was, was to take that specific situation where someone had tried to talk her out of what she knew to be true. And she kind of went along with it, um, and, and not do that anymore. Like to just have the confidence of like, not, not arrogance, um, not a big ego, but just confidence of, look, this is what I have experienced and you can't talk me out of what I've experienced. I've done it. Uh, so you can maybe present a competing theoretical thing and I'll, I'll definitely listen to that. Um, but I think that, you know, you, I believe you can get a lot of confidence out of the things that you've actually done that, that, um, experience is something that people can't take away from you. And, um, especially, I mean, if you have a single experience, <laughs> somebody at Scott of Chicago today pulled their main, got nothing, pulled the cutaway, pulled the reserve, 
the reserve didn't immediately come out because it had snagged on his pilot chute, came out eventually and was dragging his main canopy still in the bag and the pilot chute with his reserve as he landed. If that's his one cutaway and he can maybe think, oh, I, I did really well. This all went really well. I didn't pack wrong. I, I handled everything great because I'm still alive. Okay, there, maybe maybe that's not the best place to, to feel super confident about what happened in that whole experience. But for this woman who has years of, of repetitive experience doing this discipline, I think it's very fair to say, don't, don't necessarily let people talk you out of what you have experienced. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've had that conversation with, with my wife, Steph, a bunch of times because for some reason, when we go to events, and I mean, I, I feel like I know the reason, but I'm just going to say for some reason, we go to events and we both coached VFS teams many times over the years. It's It's been 10 or 12 years of pretty heavy VFS. And I'm, I hope this doesn't come off as arrogant. It might a little bit, but I think that my knowledge base of VFS is on par with anybody in the world except Steph. And, and Steph's is her her mental mapping is so different than mine that, and it's so complete. Like when we talk about VFS in an instant, she has the whole picture and at what needs your hand goes here and your hand goes here and you need to do this on exit and you need to do this. And I can't do that. I have to, I have to like physically or not physically, but mentally put myself into that physical spot. Okay. How would I imagine coming out? Which hand would I be holding the bar? And it takes way longer. Mm -hmm. And I've never met anybody that, that I think equals, or for sure doesn't beat her technical knowledge. But when we coach teams, my teams listen to me and and I get no talk back. Hmm. And she has fired a couple of teams of all guys who decide they're just not gonna listen to what she has to say. And in particular one, she's still a little bit bitter about when, like Hmm. when they're at the competition and we're there, that's that's the only time I hear her say we're we're kicking their ass, um, <laughs> and uh, and um, I, for some reason I cannot hear Steph saying that. But yeah, yeah. Every every it's funny that the people who know both of us not very well they just look at us. They're like, man, J Russ shaved head and tattoos and whoo. But Steph looks so nice and she's like smiling all the time, and I I'm that's fine and that I'll I'll take that generalization but if shit goes down steph is the guns of the navarone and you better watch out and i will be like helping you get away from her that's actually a, a good thing man to, to she's uh she's a she's, controlled power that's good there's nothing wrong sure. with that. Controlled that, power. yep it's just the calm rage that's uh un, unleashed yeah. every once in a while but so if we get back to Dunning Kruger, I think that um, my my feeling a lot of times in skydiving is that there there are I have a great story if we have time, but there are a lot of times uh, people who overestimate their own abilities and then project that. Mm-hmm. And I think you touched on something that that I think is that in almost all circumstances, I think I have a, a really high level of confidence in VFS, and I'm I'm okay putting my ideas out there on a regular basis, but in most other areas where I know I'm not anything like an expert, um, I'm, I'm more circumspect because I, I don't want to start talking as if I know things, especially if there happens to be somebody with me who does know things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's not, a, I would then rather be listening to them and finding out what I don't know than, sure. than um, blathering on about <laughs> things I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, so you you have a story that well well before you tell the story remember the story because i want to hear it but give us a definition because you have done a little bit of reading and studying up on this effect i I mean that doesn't make you an expert because we're not we're not going to fall victim to the dunning-kruger effect but what is the dunning-kruger effect give us a definition explain it kind of kind of talk through it a little bit for those that might be listening and aren't familiar with it well like I said, this is, I, I just clicked over, tabbed over to a, a different page and I'm going to read this because this is going to be more succinct than anything I could say. The Dunning-Kruger effect occurs when a person's lack of knowledge and skills in a certain area 
cause them to overestimate their own confident competence. By contrast, this effect also causes those who excel in a given area to think the task is simple for everyone and underestimate their relative abilities as well. So interestingly, because you talked about learning the Thai language, their, their first example is you, you and some friends all start learning Spanish. And within a few days, you can say 10 or 15 sentences. You feel like you should be able to say more and the language feels simple. Um, but because you got it pretty quickly, you feel like everybody should. And when you talk to your friend and he hasn't learned as well, pronouncing things wrong, grammatically incorrect sentences, but his lack of knowledge prevents him from understanding the mistakes and his lack of access to comparison causes him to overestimate his ability. So that's a that's just a quick definition from the decision lab is who I'm quoting from. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So if I was going to put that into my own words, and and you can kind of say if this if you think this is right or not. Anytime if you're learning a new skill, and that could be physical or mental, or it doesn't matter. If you're learning a new skill or a new subject matter that initial period where you're kind of getting into it and, and initially learning it, understanding it, sometimes some people will tend to excel very quickly, feel like they have a grasp of the, the complete subject matter very quickly and overestimate their understanding, overestimate their competence, overestimate their ability to perform that task or that understand or communicate that subject matter. Um, to where they think that they are becoming an expert when really they're still very novice or at least in the middle ground. Right. And so they're, they're presenting themselves or at least in their own mind, thinking that they're very, very good at this thing and understand it and can explain it, communicate it, teach it, coach it, whatever. But really they're, they're not yet there. Right. Yeah. That's, I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what is your, what is the story? So that, this, is, this is, this is something that I, I, I can think about. Sorry. Oh my gosh. I've probably been that guy many times. Shoot. I wish I could go back and just shut my mouth, like staple my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you would hope that as we all got older, we would, uh, we would get away from this, but I'm not sure about that either. Well, that that's interesting because the, the little bit that I did read, there is an, an, anti or an opposite of this. I, I don't know if they've named it, but there is the opposite, which is people who are so far advanced, so good at something. And they've, they've had so many experiences with a subject matter um, or a skill that they've realized it's so complex and difficult that they go to the other side yeah. and are like, man, I don't know. I can't, it's so hard. This is so difficult. And like, and they become so humble that they don't, um, it's kind of the opposite. Is that, am I making sense? Oh yeah, totally. I, and I, I agree that there is that out there and I, I read about that as well. Um, yeah, you, then you're underestimating your skill set or abilities or knowledge base because you recognize the massive complexity of that, that thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So th this is a pretty funny, uh, example, but I, th I think it illustrates it really well that, um, a bunch of years ago at, at Summerfest, I, I walked into the hangar. I'm in, on an early shift pretty much every day. And I, I saw so I'm starting at seven 30 or eight o'clock in the morning. And there's a guy there and, and he said, Hey, can I, can we just go on a two way jump? And I can't fly head down, but do you think that you could just hold me head down so I could kind of feel the position? And, and, uh, <laughs> I said, well, we're, I mean, we're supposed to take multiple people, but there's nobody else around right now. So cool. I'll take you on this jump. But just so you know, for the rest of the day, like I, I have a three person minimum and I have to do that. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. So we, I, I give him my basic speech about what, like, how can you envision head down when you can't fly head down? And I said, look, the first thing I want to talk about is a cone of stability. And if you think about a badminton birdie, it has a heavy bit at the bottom. That's your head. The cone goes up on all sides. And the, the feathers or plastic or whatever create that cone, it's symmetric around and it's wider than the heavy bit. 
and that means that you can hit that thing pretty hard and it wobbles for a second but then it stables out and has a pretty pretty smooth flight and so what i'd like you to think about is that your head is the heavy bit and that your arms are at your side and they're kind of wide and that your legs are whatever position they're they're pretty wide and so kind of with your appendages you're making that cone and if it comes down from your head like raising your arms and piercing that cone right there is a very difficult way to fly and so you know you as a tunnel instructor have probably tried that if you're carving head down and you lift your hands over your head and try and run them across the net you can do it but it's it's tough and you're balancing on a knife edge and it's way easier to just drop your arms and fly mm -hmm. so i give him that I, I mean i can't explain everything about head down in the few minutes we had and we go up and we get out and i the, the way that i when there's been a number of people over the years who have asked me to do this, I'll hold their shoulder with one hand and their hip with the other. So I can kind of crank on their upper body and get it in the, the right orientation or the right presentation. If that makes sense. You're, you're, you're flying head up. No, no, no. I'm head down with them. And I, okay. I, I hold them like at their mud flap and then I hold okay. their, their hip ring. And I can, then I can like leverage against their own body to pull their oh. hips forward because almost always people, their hips are sunk back and their heads too oh. far forward and yeah. I need to straighten them up. Um, okay. And if I have two, two sort of uh, far away points, I can leverage. So yeah. I, I don't I, know that I ever would have thought about trying to do that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Keep going. So he can't fly head down and he's <laughs> not at all, like not even close. And he's just like ragdolling with his arms and, 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 and I, I mean, we flew it for probably 30 seconds because it's just one little guy and I, I can hold him where yeah, I want. Him. Yeah. And, um, his head's bobbling around like a little bobblehead and, you know, like all, all the stuff that if I had, you know, an hour before we went to fly, I might've been able to remind him of all this stuff, but I just laughing and holding him. Yeah. Finally, you know, I know we're getting close to break off and I just give him a little shove away from me and let go and, boom, 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 you know, onto his back and he can't even get into a sit. And I, I break off and. Okay, cool. That's our skydive. And I come down and give him a couple of pointers and go about my day. And I don't see him again. And then the next morning I show up early and I'm on the first load with whatever group I'm taking. And I go into the loading area and he's standing in front of a pretty girl. Oh, and I, I walk up and I hear him say, I want you to think of your head as the heavy part of the badminton birdie. And <laughs> I... To his credit, I looked at him and I'm grinning and he looks at me, doesn't like, doesn't skip a beat, just turns back to her and is like, and there's a cone of stability, like not embarrassed at all, that he has no clue what he's doing, but just taking my words and explaining it to this cute girl and they're going to go on a skydive together. <laughs> all right. I don't know uh, if that I don't know if that's Dunning Kruger or that's I'm just not like, sure. <laughs> he's just uh you know really a yeah. good player. I don't know what that is. That's hilarious. opportunistic maybe opportunistic, but uh, there you go. Yeah. That is awesome, man. On a more serious note, there there have been a couple people and I, I again I'm not going to say any names even though to be honest some of me would like to. Um but they they come to our events or they come to camps and and even a couple of people I've had I've had to tell people when my wife's talking or Sarah Curtis or somebody who has probably forgotten more about what we're talking about than this person knows at this moment, mm. shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. They're, they're coaching. They're doing like micro coaching within the group while the actual coach is talking. And I know that person cannot do the job that we're about to do. And yet they want to come across as though, so this is maybe where the, like the ego that you said your brother-in-law talked about that. I think that might be a big part of it. Like I want to come off as though I know way more than I do. I don't know for the, for the benefit of the group. It seems such a weird motivation to me because in 20 minutes or 30 minutes, we're all going to know that you, you had no idea what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And how like how does that gel with your psyche to know that you just in experience or interaction after interaction after interaction 
you pump yourself up to something that you you can't live up to yeah. i don't i don't know how that's interesting to someone yeah i mean i when you say it like that when you say it like that it doesn't make sense no. i think i think what i've done before is a let's say angle flying okay angle flying never did any of it had never done a single jump and then started jumping with a friend and we were doing angle we were angle flying together the two of us and it was like within the first couple like the first one we really struggled we were like oh that was weird that didn't work second one uh, i'm not sure third one like oh my goodness we like flew right face to face for almost the whole jump from exit to break off like what the heck you know and so that excitement like you're so excited and you feel you feel so good not i mean there is ego but it's, it's not a cocky like i'm a badass not like that but oh my gosh we dude we we got it we figured it out like three jumps we are flying together you know and mm -hmm. then we do another one and we fly together again and then we do another one, we struggle but you know so it's like some of it is just the excitement of like i can't believe we're figuring this out we're making it work and we're doing this um not because we don't want to learn from other people but we're just at a drop zone where we don't have anybody else to learn from like we sure. just got to figure it out you know yeah and um so i i think or i hope i hope at least for some people that that's part of it is it's just an excitement to share with others an excitement of like oh look this is what we're doing it's so fun we're having a good time it's working we're learning we're getting better i want to share that with you um because you you it, like somebody's asking me like oh you guys are angle fine that's cool can you can you bring me can you teach me I'm like yeah sure why not okay you know but i don't know how much i don't know i'm just excited about the little bit of progress that i've made yeah and someone's asking me to teach them so those things those things kind of add together to create this problem or it's like okay hold on a second you don't really know anything of what you're doing and especially don't know the dangers you know does that make sense oh yeah totally i i man i had a couple of thoughts while you were talking but keep carry on like i, I yeah well i mean that, that's kind of it go ahead well i just was thinking that there there has like i i think what i said about the guy that pumps himself up constantly and then we see that he doesn't have the skill set, but then he moves on to a new victim and pumps himself up again. Mm. Um, that I, that has to be different than. Okay. I don't know if that's exactly fitting into Dunning Kruger because Dunning Kruger, I think one of the one of the tenets of it, so to speak, is that your lack of knowledge makes you overestimate your abilities. But I don't know if mm -hmm. that fits in this case because I th I think that the the couple people that are in my mind, they know they don't have the ability and, or, or I don't know, maybe they're just fooling themselves, but it certainly seems like they know they don't have the ability, but they want to present that way. So they do know enough to know that it's what they're saying is not right. Mm -hmm. So that maybe that's dipping into like, I'm not a psycho a psychotherapist, but like a narcissistic personality yeah. or something, something like that. Um, but uh, the, the other aspect that I wanted to talk about, which is, is salient to me for a couple of different reasons, um, is, the, is the, the gender, the way that that plays out between genders. Hmm. And I, I know we talked about this in the past, but just the, the, the if I do a day of organizing and say, I'm going to do a single plane, we're going to do 20 way head down. And hmm. I've got I've to put people in spots and then I let them choose their own spots. Like we do two jumps where I choose the spots and then we do a couple where you choose your spot. And I'll give a little speech in, in there like, hey, if you don't, if you can't do a first singer slot, maybe now's not the time to do it because there's 19 other people who aren't going to really get the formation they want because you can't do your slot or, or at least let's say are five or six because you don't dock there. You're not there. They can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And yet people will take that slot. But I think when I say that it's men take that slot, knowing mm -hmm. that they can't do it. And women who I know can do it are okay. Stepping back. Uh, well, he really wants that slot and I don't think he can do it, but I'm, I'm just going to be a last, 
last stinger. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and in fact, there, there is a woman who does, she doesn't skydive too much anymore, but I'll, I'll call her out because she's a tremendous flyer, Kathy O'Sullivan, who I, I had in one of my camps and I had to say, Kathy, you are a first stinger. Get up there and take those slots. That's, that's what we're here to do. This, you are well and truly capable of exactly this. And you've got to have that confidence where I, 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 it's, I think it's more of a commentary on our society, to be honest, about how men are just constantly reinforced. You can do this. Just try. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Just try. And, and that I'm, I'm not saying women don't get that or, or, or it's, it's, I guess you can't be that global about it, but for sure, I, I think there's less of that going to the female side and it translates into what I see on a day-to-day -day basis as far as working with other flyers. Um, yeah, that, that's very interesting. Um, I know, you know, Jordan Peterson, he, he can, I think he's great. I, I like him a lot. I know he, he can be a controversial uh, person for some, for some people and that, that's fine, but that made me think about one of the things that he says, you know, the differences between genders, that there are lots of similarities, but there's differences. And one of the things I've heard him say over and over is that as a general rule, just as a rule, uh, females, women tend to be more agreeable. And so that, mm -hmm. that's kind of the word that came to my mind when you were describing those scenarios is that women just tend to be more agreeable. And so they're like, well, okay. Like you said, oh, they really want that slide. I'll just be nice. I'll let them, which that's fine. That, that's nice. But um, like you said, that, that lady, you're telling her like, Hey, not only can she do it, but her taking that slot, like um, inserting her, like saying, no, I'm going to take this slot because I'm good at it. I can do it. I know I, not only can she, she's actually helping the group. Yeah. She's actually helping everyone by being in the appropriate place, by taking the more difficult, more skilled position. She's actually being a benefit to everyone. Um, and that I, I can totally see how that's hard to do for some people because you don't, that can feel cocky. Mm -hmm. That can feel like, you know, and especially if you've gone through the Dunning-Kruger effect, You've gotten to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much I don't know. I'm really not as good as I think I am. You've, you've come to a place of true, I think, appropriate humility. And so you're like, well, maybe he is better than me. Okay, well, maybe he is. I'll let him do it. Why not? You know, I'm not going to assert myself and then screw up the jump for everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, again, as we've been talking, I feel like there's a couple different ideas that have to be rolled into like a lot of overlap between competing parts of your psyche and, mm -hmm. and, uh, what I, what I think I see in skydiving sometimes might fit into Dunning Kruger. And sometimes, like you said, it might be ego. Uh, and, and sometimes maybe, um, you know, a little arrogance or, uh, and I, I don't know. I, I guess the, the question that this woman asked me that got this all started when I, you know, she was asking me, what do you, what would you have recommended in that situation? Like, I didn't want to argue with this guy that's supposed to be the coach, but I know better. Yeah. That's um, a great question. What did you say to her? Well, I, I did relay, to be honest, a couple of stories, but I, I directed her to my wife uh, who wasn't there at the moment, but I said, look, Steph is probably going to have more, relevant uh, uh answers for you um and and probably she's already worked her way through being agreeable like you said and, and trying to to not be confrontational because she's not confrontational um and yet she's crossed that hurdle so many times that i know that she has developed the confidence of of like no you're i'm sorry you're not going to tell me what i know um mm -hmm. and in this case uh, you know, that say, for instance, the team that <laughs> she was, she had been coaching this, this, uh, national team for years and telling them that they needed to turn this block in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, we're going to, we think it's better this other way. And I, I think at that time, Steph was a two time world champion. Um, you know, in, in what I would argue is, is if it's not the hardest discipline in skydiving, it's, it's right next to it. Um, and she's, it's not a female class to VFS. She's an open and, um, and, you know, talking to a team that had, uh, won their nationals a few times and, and they, 
they had another camp scheduled and that team was training somewhere where there was a male VFS flyer who they saw and he actually agreed with Steph as he should have and said, no, 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 you're doing the 12 wrong. Like you need to be doing it this way. And their next camp started and they said, oh, we caught up with, uh, it was Raf from Four Speed from years ago. We caught up with Raf and he told us to do the 12 that way. So we're going to do it that way. And she was like, fellas, you're fired. I will be at the bar. You can pay me whatever you want. I'm done. Because some guy had told them the same information that she'd been telling them for two years. And suddenly they're going to do it. She's like, no way. You're not, yeah. you're not going to treat me like that because somebody with a penis told you to do it. I've been telling you to do it for two years. I'm not taking that. And, yeah. and she fired him on the spot. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know that necessarily that this other woman needed to go to that extreme, but, but just to, um, you know, have it in her mind somewhere that just the confidence of, I, Hey guys, I kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it might be helpful for us to talk real quick to, um, why, why is it other than like, like that? I mean, we see why it's problematic in those scenarios, but from, from more of a safety standpoint from a, like just fun jumpers, in general around the drop zone, like day to day, week to week, month to month. I think that's where it's the most dangerous, right? Yeah. Like, why is that? Why is that dangerous? L let's talk about that for a second. What can we do to, to kind of, um, maybe, maybe just being aware is enough, but how can we help? Well, not be like that. I think it's, I think the story that you just relayed about angled flying is a super important one for people to hear, honestly, whether, you, whether you meant it as the message that it is, but the, if we can circle back to the things that you said, like it was just me and a buddy, we know this angle flying is a thing. Hey, let's go try it. We're pretty good flyers. Let's, let's give it a go. And after a couple of jumps, you do, and, and you are angle flying. And so that means you're covering a lot of distance and all the complications that can sort of hold hands with that. And the other thing that you said, I was at a drop zone that just didn't have anybody to teach us. And so I think, you know, coupling those two ideas together, say I'm, I'm at Scottish Chicago, you're at Spaceland. Both of those are, are relatively large drop zones that have resources available immediately if you need them. And uh, there's somebody like you now, or like me, it's got a Chicago. And if, if newer jumpers, I, I, I go out of my way to know our newer jumpers and, and make sure that they feel comfortable asking questions. Um, so that if there's something they're unsure about, they can get some kind of information, some kind of guidance about what they're about to do. But in a small drop zone where that doesn't exist, I think what, what would be very important is for people to hear the story you just told that I was excited about it. I managed to do it. Other people started asking me immediately and I'm telling them how to do it, but I'm not even aware of what I don't know. And if you can get that message across to people that like, Hey, there's a lot out there. There's a lot. I mean, in skydiving or anything else that you're endeavoring towards, there's, there's a lot out there. And if you're just dipping your toe in the water, especially in skydiving, there are so many things that we know that we're paid in blood. They, that somebody messed up and, now we have this rule or this piece of equipment or whatever, but somebody died to get us there. And I don't know that always younger jumpers understand that, that mm -hmm. sort of implication of there, there's a why behind what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And, and I didn't really mean, I, I honestly didn't mean this to be a plug for Crave, even though we're on Crave, but that is a resource that could be available to anybody at any time about so many different things within skydiving that normally you just can't have. You need, you don't have a Pete Allum and a Sharon and a J Russ, and you don't have all of these people at one drop zone. One drop zone can't support all of us. So, so of course we're all in different places and, and that means that our knowledge base is in those other places, but you have compiled those bits of knowledge into a, a library that people can access from and literally anywhere on earth. So. Uh, that that I think is another great a great reason that I I hope that the crave thing really catches on so that you know all of those actually all of the mistakes that have gotten us to the knowledge base that we have and the people that paid heavily 
for their mistakes, that that information can be passed forward so that other people can have the fun side without necessarily the, the penalties. Um, yeah. What about just slowing down? Mm. As a person who do, I don't do well with that. And I, I can say that I coach that a lot to teams, guys, the best thing you can do right now is slow down for fun jumpers who are talented. It's, it's just hard to, to tell some people that some people hear it. I, to be fair, I, I don't know if I heard it. I was, Oh, I, it's so I mean, hard for me to, to yeah. slow down. Yeah. Some of the stuff that you were saying just a second ago, as you were, you were talking through that made me think of a couple of weeks ago, we had a boogie at, at San Marcos and, um, there, we had a bunch of organizers there and, and, um, I was organizing different stuff, but one, one of the organizers was, um, his name's Jack. Oh, what is his last name? He, he lives, um, does he have Washington state He's got flowing hair. curly hair? Yes. What's yeah, I know like? Jack. Um, wingsuiter, such an awesome yeah, guy. Yeah. He's a great guy. Um, I'm, great guy. I, I work with him on contracts and I, um, oh, but you know, so you know, you know, Jack. I know I mean, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. He is a, he's a really, he's a good man. Yeah. Um, so this was me and me and a few people, we were going to do a jump. It, it was, it was just a fun, we were doing something kind of a little bit crazy, not, not too wild, but we were just doing something fun, you know, and Jack overheard us talking. And one of the guys on the jump was a wingsuiter. And so we were trying to do this kind of like hybrid jump. doesn't matter. And, um, Jack just kind of, in a very kind, very awesome way, just like, Hey, you know, I heard what you guys are saying. What are you doing? Like he, cause he was on the same jump and he's organizing and he listened what we were trying to do. And then he gave us some really good feedback and he was almost exactly what we were saying. Just talking about like the things that he's learned himself and from other people who have paid dearly for these things and just the dangers that exist. And, and he was just, he was really cautioning and warning us and really trying to help us think through what we were trying to do in all aspects, which I, I really, really, it was so, I was so thankful for that, that he put himself in a little bit of an uncomfortable position to do that. That was very valuable. And then at one point he said, you know, I'm, I'm not, I can't tell you guys not to do this. I'm not going to tell you not to, I just want you to think through, I'm trying to help you think through everything. And after he gave his spiel and the other people on the jump listened and I actually, I stopped Jack. I, I like kind of not grabbed him, but I, I looked at him and I said, Jack, I am telling you, you can tell me, don't do this. <laughs> you said you can't tell, no, you, you can tell me, don't do this. And I will listen to you. I won't do it. I need to know, <laughs> like, <laughs> if this is a jump, we shouldn't be doing, I want you to tell me that. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. He goes, I think you guys, it's okay. It's not like that. I just wanted you to think through all the things. Now that we've talked, I see that you have thought through them. You guys are planning and thinking, you know, that's fine. He goes, I just wanted to make sure because I've seen that. And that, that to me, that is so valuable. He was very humble. He was very kind, but he was also sharing his wisdom and knowledge. And he was doing it clearly. He was doing it directly and assertively, but in a kind way. Yeah, but he also wasn't one of the other jumpers that was on the jump. Whether it was kind of arguing and listening, but not quite listening. You know, kind of like not arguing, but and um, I thought it was really cool that Jack didn't. He didn't just like give up. He's like, okay, fine. You know, like no, he kept on in in a kind way. Mm -hmm. He kept making his point. Like, no, this is more important to me. I'm. It was almost like he was kind of like, I'm okay if you're upset with me. I'm okay if you don't like it, if you're uncomfortable, because I care about your safety. I care about the safety of the drop zone. I care about everybody else on the plane. I'm going to make sure that you understand for the sake of everyone. And I thought that was really nice. Um, yeah, that's great. I mean, it, I, I've only been working with him for, I don't know, a couple of years now. And uh, he coached, a, um, actually, our, our new camera flyer, Nicole. Um, she got a lot of wingsuit coaching from from Jack and had nothing but good things to say. He's, yeah, my limited experience with him is he's a great dude. But that is, it It can be a tough point there for anybody because you, I mean, you you didn't really know him, right? I had had a little bit of experience with him when we were filming the wingsuit course in Washington. 
I had yep. interacted with him a tiny bit, but not, not really. And then we were organizing together at the, at the boogie. So I'd interacted with him a couple times previously before that. Yep. Um, enough. I, I had had, an, I think enough interactions to realize that he genuinely, he was a sincere caring yeah. person. Yeah. And that, a lot. that went a long way. I was just going to say it can be tough. Like there's so few places that I travel to nowadays where somebody doesn't know me. Um, mm. And it, but, but when you're, when you're a little bit less known and you have valid information, it's very possible you're going to put people on the defensive by saying it. But at the same time, I, I think, especially, if, you know, someone in Jack's position, wingsuiting and, and um, I don't want to, put words into him, but I, I'm pretty sure he's also a base jumper. And, um, you know, you've been around that scene long enough that, that you, a little bit of information costs you a friend. Um, and, and so when, when it, when you look at it sort of through that filter, I'm willing to deal with your defensiveness mm -hmm. to, to help you stay safe. Yeah. And even if you come away from this, not liking me, I'm going to try my best to say it in a nice way. And if you're still, not happy with me. I, I can live with that. If I conveyed the information that kept you from doing something that I think may cause you harm, uh, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, um, wrap up comments, summary conclusion. What do, what do you, anything that you think needs to be said that we've left out? Uh, only, only it's my strong hope and in, in whoever listens to this, that I, I don't know if if a uh, knowledge of a thing, knowledge of a phenomenon, if this Dunning if this Dunning Kruger is is pervasive in society, which it certainly seems to be, if just the knowledge of its existence and the definition of what it is can help you avoid it, I think that'd be great. Um, mm. And and uh, you know I don't I don't know exactly how to get everybody, including myself, to have an accurate self assessment of skills and knowledge base, but man, that'd be nice. Yeah. See if that can I think happen. One thing that, that I would want to add is <clears throat> we all in this, I'm talking about in the skydiving world, in our community, we have an obligation to share safety information, things that we've learned about being safer. You have an obligation, a responsibility to share that information. Yep. So I would encourage people don't, don't let your, you know, someone might hear this and be like, Oh, I, I don't want to overstep my bounds. I don't want to say I'm new. I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I'm novice. And so they might hesitate. They might hold on to information because they don't want to do this thing. Right. They don't want to give into this Dunning Kruger effect. Mm, yeah. My, my word for them and for myself, for all of us would be when it comes to safety issues, share freely. Yeah. Don't hold yeah. back. If you learned something on a jump, if you learned something in a tunnel, if you learned something from a coach from somewhere that has to do with making everyone safer, please share that. You don't have to be an expert to share safety information. Yeah, I agree with you know, that 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be my, my word, I think, for this. Um, now, if it's skills, you know, be a bad, be a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great story. He's still around it. here sometimes too. I see him. That's great. That. That's so great. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. All right, man. Well, this is fun. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Really thanks for having me. Again. I, um, anybody listening, I, I don't know if anybody's still listening to this. Uh, we'll, we'll have it up for a while. I, I hope you guys are enjoying these things a benefit to you. Like we've been saying, you know, we, we really want to get to a point where we can have these conversations, cover some topics, but also provide coaching and feedback and instruction for people. We, we would love to do that. I mean, I, mm. I think it would be fun um, and beneficial. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you just like like the video analysis thing that we've talked about, we've, we've kind of we've gone, I think you're going in a direction of like, look, if, if you've got something you want to put up and we'll talk about it, talk over your thing, co coach, maybe. Um, but um, Steph shared with me uh, yesterday, um, a canopy collision and a video. And it was a, a woman that has been coming to the, came to the women's, uh, the project 19 record. And so probably before next week, 
I'm going to try and get her involved because it, it, every, everybody was okay. They were just a little bit banged up. Um, but it, it presented a, a couple of very important issues as far as um, safe canopy flying. And she's got um, an outside view uh, from someone on the ground and then also an inside view from the other canopy pilot. Uh, and I'm, I'm guessing a couple of people have already seen this or have heard of it, but uh, I'm going to try to get her to join us whenever we have that next session and see if she's willing to talk about it. I know she posted publicly um, on social media about it, trying to be very positive and upbeat about what could have potentially been a pretty tragic situation, but mm -hmm. um, ended up working out uh, okay. But um, it would be a good learning point. And probably she is in the process uh, of getting lots of feedback about that situation. And she's going to have to filter her way through what's good and what's maybe not so good. And what, what are the takeaways from this? So that might be an excellent uh, little video segment we can work towards next yeah, time. So I'll, I, I'm going to try and set that up. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. yeah. I think that'd be beneficial for everybody. Cool. All right. Well, if you're listening, you've done it again. You wasted another yeah. perfectly good hour <laughs> listening to Jay, Russ, and Chris ramble on and on about all sorts of stuff. Yeah. You can't get that hour back, man. It's gone. Too bad for you. <laughs> if you're upset, let me know. I'll, I'll Venmo you a dollar. <laughs> a dollar. Yeah, there you go. That's great. All right. Well, hope you guys are having fun out there, enjoying those blue skies, getting to jump with all your friends. Be safe. Have fun. Enjoy the sky and uh, blue skies. All right. Thanks, Jay Russ. Have a do week. more. Is there a do more, be better in there somewhere? That's right. Do it. Do Said. more, be better. Crave right more, on. be better. Thank you. Cool. All right. See you guys. Bye.